You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What up, world? Welcome on all to another episode of The Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. My name is R.G. Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from right here as your humble host on The Ocho. It is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. A very happy hump day from all of us to all of you. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, practicing social distancing, and looking to get through these days much sooner rather than later. It has been a busy week here on the podcast feed, and we appreciate all of the kind comments we've been getting this week. In fact, got a lot of people who really enjoyed Poosh. That's right, Micah Pushel, uh from Iration, who was a guest on the Ocho on Tuesday. Uh, really fun episode. I know Poosh is a 49ers fan, and so uh, you know, he kind of came at it in that direction or from that direction, but it was really fun, and I you know, I didn't realize how many listeners we had that were big Iration fans, and so um, you know, it was just a really, really fun conversation and a little bit of a different way to talk about football and so uh, appreciate everybody reaching out saying that they enjoyed it if you have not make sure to subscribe to the blog and the boys podcast feed wherever you get your podcast that's apple devices spotify tune in radio stitcher we are everywhere and you get access to all of our shows in fact on tuesday we had a brand new episode of the 750 with myself and two-time super bowl champion tony casillas and next week we may or may not have a different Super Bowl champion on with us. So be out on the lookout for that. Later this week, you'll get a brand new episode of Girls Talking Boys with Kelsey and Meg. They will have on the athletics Jesse Temple, who covers the University of Wisconsin. So they'll be talking about Tyler Biotish. After this, on Wednesday in your podcast feed, you will get a new episode of Talking the Draft with Connor Livesey and Dalton Miller. Uh, the guys have on Rashad Whitfield, the footwork king who works and has been working with CeeDee Lamb for a long time now. Uh, kind of a second half conversation Rashad and I spoke on Monday's episode of the Ocho, so we have a lot going on, and we have a lot going on today. This Wednesday episode of the Ocho, we came prepared with a very special guest, the Around the NFL podcast's Mark Sessler. Mark uh, does a lot of fantastic work for the NFL Media Group. Uh, you can always find everything he pens and puts together at NFL.com, and again, he is one of the four horsemen on the Around the NFL podcast. I get asked a lot um, you know, for podcasts that I like and podcasts that I enjoy. The Around the NFL podcast has been my go-to podcast for a long time now. It is uh, number one in the rotation, and you know we all uh, we all have some favorites, and and the around the NFL is certainly up there for me. Uh, I also mentioned I went to the live show in Miami at the Miami Improv Club with Pete Sweeney, who was on this show uh, last week, and so um, the around the NFL guys they do such a great job, and Mark uh, does a fantastic job. He's uh, he's a bit of a unique thinker if you listen to the show, and so uh, I was really excited to get to talk to him. Uh, we had talked about doing something uh, at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, but things were just kind of busy, so we. Finally, you know, a uh, year and a half, found some time to sit down and chop it up, all things Cowboys, 
you know, Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, and, uh, you know, everything in between. Uh, and so uh, it's a great conversation. Movies come up, and, uh, you know, I have a movie to watch this weekend. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But um, I don't want to keep you from the conversation any longer. Let's go ahead and get to it from the Around the NFL podcast. Mark Sessler joins us next right here on The Ocho. Pleased to be joined now by the one, the only, the internationally famous, uh, famous across many universes, many galaxies. You know him, you love him. He likely has penned something that has touched your heart. The one and only from the Around the NFL podcast and NFL.com, Mark Sessler. Mark, how goes it? I'm doing okay. I was uh, certain that you were introducing someone else there for a minute on the line. So uh, uh, thank you very much. What a nice introduction. Uh, so we uh, we were going to shoot a video, I think, at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. So our listeners will uh, will just have to settle for uh, the smooth baritone voice of Mark Sessler instead. Um, I, I want to start off with a strong question. Um, what have you eaten the most of during quarantine? <laughs> um, beer. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I'd go, you know, it's we we've probably had way more pizza um, in this household than ever before because with two uh with a with a nine and eight year old here and they're not i would call them um when it comes to culinary experiences not adventurous there's about two or three things they seem to want to eat and you know we're all just um it's the four of us just here in each other's faces 24 7 so we've taken a, a path of least resistance when it comes to some of the uh lunch and dinner meals and pizza has just been a non-stop item and i gotta stop eating it because you know, I have gained, I weigh more than I've ever weighed in my life. And I mean, you know, it's, I have to work to put on a lot of weight, but, um, I've done the work sure. and it's, it's concerning. Well, uh, pizza with beer. I'm curious, do you, um, do you start drinking earlier in the day now than, than you did before? <laughs> I really try not to. I mean, in, in even that, I, I feel like for the first couple of weeks, it was like, wow, I'm home all day long. You know, you get your work done. It's like, why not have, you know, a, a nice beer, cold beer, you know, at two o'clock or something. But I, for me, honestly, that got really old really fast. And again, with the kid factor, I mean, they are alive wires until eight something. So you got to stay on your game. So if anything, it's kind of at this point moved more to um, like the wife and I will have drinks on the weekend. We've done a couple of these very um, cliche Zoom calls with friends at some, at, you know, at various points too. But other than that, I honestly, I'm thinking like the excess period of this has grown tired and I want to start like if I don't start getting in shape now and then if with the season begins when it normally begins um, then you're just a downward spiral so time is running out on this offseason no I agree I um I went and played golf last week and it was the first like it was the most adventurous thing I've done in, in all of this and you know it was socially distanced and stuff but it was it was really strange to be outside for that long and um <laughs> and, and just uh it was a really hilly course and so like I just you know I, I it felt like the Amazon you know what I mean just like compared to what life has been like you know what I mean Right, like a true human adventure to be crossing over hills and using, you know, body parts in in an athletic (laughs) way, uh, no doubt. Um, So, Mark, I wanted to have you on because uh, you guys on the the NFL podcast have uh, have developed. um, I don't know if it's a measurement or a tool, uh, and I know you've retooled it, you know, over the years. But um, the original version of it was the Dalton scale, and uh, can you can you explain what that is for us so that we can go into this fully aware? Yeah, so our our fellow around the NFL podcast, um, 
colleague, Chris Wessling, he, uh, to me, I feel like of all the people I've worked with, I could sit and talk with him about football. Um, and, you know, we're the same age too. So old school 80s football up till now. And I think he has a better eye for, you know, if you're just watching a game with the naked eye, he has a better um, intuition about what's happening with certain players um, than almost anyone I know. And he grew up with seven brothers. And I think that had a lot to do with it that he said they would just bicker over the sports page, bicker over games and have all these arguments where you were kind of, he was kind of in a, a sports talk show from probably age four or five on. So he deserves the credit for coming up with the Dalton scale. It was his um, theory that basically, and this is, this I would say started back in 2014 or so maybe um, when Andy Dalton was a durable, uh, you know, a quarterback who you could you could certainly call a starter but the ceiling was very very visible um with him and he you know he'd get you to a certain distance but then you couldn't count on him to tug a team along the way others um ranking higher than him would be so the dalton scale was essentially like the marker that said if you have anything from andy dalton down you need to be looking for a new quarterback Mm. Yeah, like, anything ab- right, anything above, you've got your franchise quarterback. It was that Mendoza line, that right, that one little that that clear marker, and it seemed to play out year after year that like anyone ranked lower than Andy Dalton, that team was looking for someone. And that you know, and we're in a bit of a different zone now. But back in 2014, 2015, there were always like eight, nine, ten franchises looking for that guy still so yeah I mean it I always took it as sort of like your last option to go to prom with you know what I mean like that like the absolute last person that you know you you went through your your top you know three or four choices or whatever and and you you had (laughs) that that. (laughs) you had that friend that it was like well you know, I won't save these photos forever, but, you know, I'll be able to go have a good time and, you know, I'll be able to be part of the limo and everything. You know, I'll, I'll get to experience the, the authentic high school prom experience. Um, I, uh, I, I do think that the 2015 Bengals have not gotten enough love and, in, in, you know, a lot of Cowboys fans certainly learning more about Andy Dalton. That Bengals team really was special. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I, that was at a time when, you know, you got um, Andy Dalton nine, 10 weeks into the season talked about as an MVP candidate, Mm -hmm. maybe not the top one, but that he was playing out of his mind. And that was a year where he had uh, 25 touchdowns, I believe, and in like seven interceptions and um, was, you know, it it was the end, the version of Andy Dalton where the clunky picks and, um, you know, gaffes and mistakes were reduced down to nothing. And that roster in general, arguably was the AFC's most talented roster or one of them Um, really, really close. And they were a team surging towards something the Bengals had not done in a long time. And then Andy Dalton got injured. Yeah, that was, um, that was a weird time. I remember it might've been the year before when they lost just a dreary Sunday afternoon game against your Browns. I I went to Texas A&M and so I'm a huge Johnny guy. uh, And that was really exciting at the time. Um, you know, for, for a brief moment. But um, so there are a lot of people who think now that the 2020 Cowboys are a far more superior roster than Andy Dalton never had in Cincinnati. Do you agree with that entirely? I think if you look at the lineup uh, surrounding Andy Dalton, that it's his best chance if he were to have to come in and play a certain amount of games, you'd see a different version of Andy Dalton. I like, I, I like the idea 
of Andy Dalton in a Kellen Moore offense. I like the idea of Andy Dalton working with Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, he worked with he worked with Gruden in Cincinnati, and I, you know, Hugh, Hugh Jackson, who is at this point persona non grata for many, um, <laughs> was a good offensive coordinator in Cincinnati and worked pretty well with Dalton. And so he has worked with good coaches, but. You know, the last couple of years, especially in Cincinnati, their offensive line was an absolute disaster, and it affected him. Um, it affected their entire offense. Two years running, they were just battered with injuries on both sides of the ball. And so the Bengals just haven't been that same 2015 team in a long time. Uh, and so I think that you're walking into a Dallas situation where you have an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. You've got a premier running back. You know, you've losing Travis Frederick at center um, hurts but you still have some real quality along the line. So there isn't really a weak spot when you look at the Dallas offense. I mean, w when you want to argue that they're a playoff team and, or could just flat out win the division, um, look no further than, than the lineup. I mean, it's, it's a, it should be a top five to top seven offense. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. So then where do you fall on, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware a lot of Cowboys fans have had this existential debate in the last few weeks. Um, just let Dak walk then. If Andy Dalton is so serviceable, if, if this roster really can be controlled and manipulated by anybody even of Andy Dalton's current talents, I mean, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think they're even close to being the same player. And that's, you know, it's just my opinion. But it, Dak Prescott has been in a better offense than Andy Dalton. But, you know, he's one of the better uh, deep passers last season. Um, you know, he, he, there's a couple metrics out there that show that he suffered the most drops of anyone um, and what would have happened if that wasn't the case. Uh, it, overall, his body of work to me um, is sets him apart entirely from Andy Dalton. And he's done it in Dallas where, you know, Andy Dalton is, is I have no problem with Andy Dalton being a backup quarterback. Um, mm -hmm. He had his chance at starter and it just, I outside of that one season that we talked about, to me, Andy Dalton has a very clear ceiling. Um, it's not, I don't think he get from another angle. Football is about, uh, the Dallas Cowboys especially are about um, primetime games. They're about, uh, you know, star players. It's, there's this mystique and this prestige. And uh, uh, Andy Dalton is a, is a quality player, but Dak Prescott stepped into the Dallas Cowboys quarterback role, one of the more pressure-filled um, jobs on the entire planet, and thrived. And, you know, he's, he's um, endured – uh, issues on that offense too, where they haven't always been healthy and things haven't been perfect when you lose, you know, Zeke Elliott for the time that they did, but he's proven um, really anything you could ask. What does he have? 97 touchdowns, 36 picks. Um, he's a playmaker. He's mobile. He does a lot of stuff. Andy Dalton simply can't do. And uh, there's no question that if you, if Dallas fans allowed Dak Prescott just to march off into the night, and we're saddled with Andy Dalton about three weeks into that experience. I think there'd be problems. I just, he's a, he is a clear level or two below um, three levels below. <laughs> I agree with that. I think three is, is a good, I don't know how we're measuring the levels, but I think that I three, don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if you remember this and I went back and, and looked um, back on September 10th. I don't want to say you predicted, uh, but you had a, a bit of a Sessler on Dak Prescott's forecasted production for the 2019 season from a touchdown standpoint. Do you remember how many touchdowns you forecasted for Dak? Not at all, but I'm excited to uh, to find out what I said back then. I mean, that feels like 4,000 years ago. I, I don't remember stuff I said a week ago sometimes, so uh, <laughs> we're going way far back. 
So your exact quote was, I look at Dak Prescott, three full years at quarterback, has never missed a game, 23, 22, and 22 touchdowns over three seasons. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 40. And that was in an offense that ultimately ended up very good, uh, second in efficiency, uh, you know, regarded highly by football outsiders and whatnot. You projected 40. He hit 30. Who do you blame there? You or Dak? Well, I, I'm not going to blame him. I think that was a gaudy, um, that was a pretty gaudy prediction, 40. But I, I think the way that their offense started, um, I did not see them going eight and eight and encountering some of the issues they did. I thought they just, you know, I, four weeks in, I thought Kellen Moore was going to be assistant coach of the year and maybe um, a reason that Jason Garrett would be deprioritized if they wanted to keep Kellen Moore around, if he was lured or lured in by someone else. I mean, there was, you know, and, and I, I would say that 40 was a little bit of an overreaction uh, to what was happening at the time, but um, you know, I think he's capable of that in the right kind of attack. I mean, it, it, that wouldn't be unprecedented. He has the talent to do that. No, I think that that's well said. And, and to your yeah, I guess your earlier point, your September point, they were 3-0 and at first. He was on absolute fire. I believe it was through the first three games that he didn't throw an incompletion in the third quarter. Um, so he really looked like he was just going to put together this, this mythical season. Getting away, I guess, from Dak and Andy Dalton, what do you attribute that to? I mean, you're uh, a free-spirited mind. I mean, wh what can you assign the blame for the Cowboys' shortcomings in the last half decade to? Well, I, you know, I like Jason Garrett. Um, I, I think he's a good coach, but I don't know if they've, if you could walk around saying they've had one of those difference-making coaches. Uh, a guy like Sean Payton, um, who, you know, had been linked to Dallas for so long that you kind of thought that would happen at some point. Um, a Bill Belichick. A, one of these guys that you know you're going to get the absolute best out of the roster. Uh, I think Dallas, uh, f from an, an outsider's point of view, Sometimes um, there's maybe a little bit, I don't, this, this could just be, this could be not real at all, but I feel that there's a tag, a little bit of an entitlement to the whole operation where it's like, of course we should have seven or eight primetime games a year, even if we <laughs> won four games the year before. I mean, some of the years I, they seem to, and one of the reasons the Andy Dalton signing makes a lot of sense is they'd lose Tony Romo at the worst time and in would come, you know, Brandon Whedon or, or fill in the blank, but just the drop off at quarterback would be so drastic that the season was a wash. Uh, you know, when they've been healthy, they've had these seasons where they go 12 and four. And so they've always been talented. There's always been stars on the team, but they haven't always been the most complete team. And I, and I think if anything, you'd have to look at Dallas and say, less so than maybe the Aaron Rodgers Packers, but disappointing. I mean, it's just a disappointment that none of these seasons, not one of them, uh, topped out with an overachieving team that went into the Super Bowl as so many thought they would. I mean, they're predicted to win the division almost every year, and they do seem to do that, but they have not got it done in the playoffs. And I, I look at the roster now, and I also think that the front office, the Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, their drafts got a lot better in the last four or five years. I mean, they were, they the Cowboys used to do really weird things and they would massively overplay, overpay their own talent that maybe didn't deserve it. I mean, you'd have Jerry Jones, you know, throwing away two first round picks for a veteran wide receiver that wouldn't work out. I mean, there just seemed to be a long uh, litany of these 
moves that were headline grabbing moves, but other teams out there were building better rosters and better teams and deeper teams. Um, this, this incarnation of the Cowboys should, I think, on offense at least, provide more hope than really anything in a long time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, I used a high school analogy. I, I think what what they have felt like is a is a kid who goes to college and maybe you know just got straight A's in high school without breaking a sweat and thought I don't have to do anything you know I can just show up to class and didn't really put in that extracurricular work whatever you want to call that you know right. by way of roster building or things like that and so they had vulnerabilities that were very obvious that they just chose for whatever reason complacency or arrogance to ignore and then when they were exposed they were very limited by them um, and and I think that to your point about Andy Dalton that's why a lot of people are excited about this team that they seem to you know be limiting the reasons why they could you know not succeed you know well if, if Dak goes down for whatever reason we're not going to be left with Cooper Rush you know that's a really irresponsible uh way to look at it I have heard some people categorize the drafting of CeeDee Lamb as brave by the Cowboys do you do you see that because I think there's an argument to be made that it is well I mean I'll start here I absolutely love the pick and I mean, number one, all my all my friends who were Eagles fans went absolutely <laughs> ballistic when it happened. So you took away a player that could have landed somewhere else um, in the NFC. And you, I have no problem when you, you know, you have Michael Gallup, you have Amari Cooper. Um, so, okay, we're set at the position. Well, why not turn that into a super strength? And mm-hmm. you have your quarterback in place um, for now. And I know there's the whole contract situation, um, but I, I just love the idea of CeeDee Lamb coming to Dallas and taking the offense. And really it's like a tipping po- point type moment from the wide receiver position. Um, I loved what they did with Trevon Diggs in the second round too. I thought they had a, gr- a really good draft, but um, in terms of people saying, I think the counter would be, you know, this team could have used a premier pass rusher. They could have used, um, you know, help in the secondary defense in general. We should have gone defense. Well, that's fine, but around pick 17 in the draft is where you have to make some really interesting decisions sometimes because, you know, you really don't know what's going to land in your lap. And I think that most, most mock drafts and, and projections did not have CeeDee Lamb falling that far right into, uh, you know, right into the Jerry Jones yacht. And, uh, <laughs> of course, I, I think it's, it's, it's an ideal situation. The tough thing you do is if you want to make a smarter, more calculated move and take a, you know, a defensive end, and he doesn't work, um, but then CeeDee Lamb blows up. It's kind of like Randy Moss part two. It's like sure. I think they, they kind of reversed any narrative that said they passed up on this guy. And why not be excited about this? Because it really, I mean, he could be an absolutely difference-making type of pass catcher and one that there's a long lineage of this in Dallas. Of course, the number he's wearing, but just the fact that the best Dallas teams we know always had that kind of guy, and they've got a couple of them now. Is the number thing um, annoying to you? Or, or do you think it's <laughs> annoying to people, just the, the overzealousness of, uh, overzealousness of it all? 
Well, I mean, I think that that just doesn't exist on some teams. They don't really have that. Uh, you know, maybe they've, they've retired a number and it's out of commission, but um, I, it doesn't bother me with Dallas. And I think that's because at my, at, at the age I'm at, like I have really um, vivid memories of Michael Irvin in that nineties Cowboys dynasty. One of my best friends growing up who made me really love football uh, was a huge Cowboys fan. So I watched way more uh, Cowboys games than I ever would have, I think on my own um, at the time I was a Browns fan. And so, you know, living on the East coast, they really weren't on TV much, but Dallas was on like nonstop as they always are. And so they kind of became a pet team for me in terms of just um, liking them, hating them all at the same time, but really loving uh, Jimmy Johnson as a coach. I adored him and I could get behind the whole Aikman, Irvin, Emmett Smith back th thing back then. So I don't have a problem with that number for what it means to that organization there are a lot of things in, in the NFL's culture today that annoy me. Um, that is not in the top 50. What does annoy you? What's, what's, the, what's the most underrated, annoying thing in today's NFL culture? You know, um, and I'm part of this, so I, <laughs> I point the finger at myself. But I really, um, I find some of the, when you're, on, when you're watching a game, like say like a Thursday night game, and every single like Whitcracker and sports writer are all watching the same game. And something happens and your, your feed is filled up with like 88 of the same exact jokes over and over. It's just like Twitter to me, um, it's really wonderful to, to take a break from it sometimes. It's kind of hard to with what we're doing when you got to be, it's become the platform where news breaks. And so you can't really, you know, jump off it for a week. But um, when you get into like May and June, late May and June, when football kind of goes away for a little bit, um, it's nice to get off that thing for three or four weeks. Cause you, cause come the regular season, like, Game days, um, I, there's game days where I just don't look at Twitter because it's just, for some reason, trying to do that and work at the same time, it's, it's, it's a clown car. I can't handle it. I agree with you. The repetition gets a little old and it's not even just like the same corny joke. It's, um, you know, like I really, the one, the example that really jumps out is it was a Thursday night game, the Seattle Rams game, um, where, where the Seahawks wore their lime green uniforms and Russell Wilson had that amazing rollout to his left. And then he hit Tyler Lockett in the corner for that great touchdown. And then it's just, it's a stream of wow. Like, like right. some are, some are capitalized, <laughs> some are exclamation points, you know, and it is kind of cool. Um, but it's also, you know, we, there are other things to say. There's a lot of words in the human language. You know, we don't have to lean on this one. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Because like Twitter has a lot of really great things attached to it. So it's valuable. But um, when it gets into those moments, I'm with you. It's just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of big events where I just kind of shut it down because I, I fear of just being in an echo chamber and not wanting to add to it. What's your favorite, and this is more of an enjoyable standpoint, not that we either, either of us hate Twitter, but what's your favorite non-sports thing to experience on Twitter? Because for me, it's probably like the Oscars, something like that. Like the night the moonlight fiasco happened, what, that was an incredible hour on Twitter in the immediate aftermath. That's a great question. Um, I, the one thing, and this is not like a one moment that I can think of, but it's pretty amazing if you get hooked into um, like maybe a big news story that happened and I'll just like drop in search terms and it's not just like hearing stuff from journalists, but getting like opinions from all sorts of different people on one type of search term. Um, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a, like a movie nerd and like, for instance, I would track um, like gossip and rumors leading up to like the last star Wars film, which now I have gone and seen and have almost no memory of it made almost <laughs> no impact on me. Uh, but just like, you know, 
things like that. Or maybe um, when I get super, like when I super nerd out on the Browns and it would be kind of pre-free agency and there'd be some deep gossip coming from really weird sources that, you know, would often not check out. But occasionally, like some of the earliest rumblings I heard about Odell Beckham um, were mentioned by people that have nothing to do with football, like hearing stuff from a friend from a friend. And so, of course, you wouldn't like go to you wouldn't go to press with that. It's just sitting in your mind. And then like some of these things kind of need out to be true. Um, So there's like some deep, dark web um, pockets of Twitter that I find interesting occasionally. Yeah. And we're talking on Tuesday. On Monday, there was the, ironically, the Browns, Miles Garrett, Seahawks thing that (laughs) that stemmed from Reddit. But to your point, that's really fun to trace the origins of. And then, you know, somebody, there's always the hero that went and took, in this case with Reddit, went and took the screenshots. You know what I mean? So like, I don't have to go all the way to Reddit. (laughs) Um, So it's it's great when when humankind bands together. I'll be honest with you, Mark. I have not seen Once Upon a Time at Hollywood yet. Um, I know you're a fan, so sell me. Well, I think for me, um, one of the lovely things about living in LA is uh, you've got, you know, you don't just have three megaplex um, movie theaters inside malls. Like there are a lot of little uh, historical movie theaters. And one of them here is uh, is called the New Beverly and it's owned by Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Um, And Quentin Tarantino uh, has a podcast that basically runs right through that theater. I mean, it's right on their site only. He, they play... um, They'll basically match up films like Grindhouse films or films like a theme from the 70s, two pictures or a picture from like today that matches something from 1950. And it's double features for like eight or nine bucks. And it's just like you go in there and it's like all directors, actors, writers and like people that have been living in L.A. forever. Um, huge film nerds. And they, they their lineup is picked by Tarantino. And so you kind of and I've seen them there once or twice, which kind of blew my mind. And uh, so for me, the other part of L.A., it had, had the Tarantino side of it. Um, it had all of his love of films, many which I had seen in that theater that are referenced like very subtly throughout the picture. I think like that the pairing of Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio probably should have happened 20 times by now. <laughs> and uh, they were great together. The third thing I'd say is that it studies like a period in LA, 1969, that is so vastly different from today. And yes, you have the Manson, Sharon Tate stuff in there, but that really was um, the B storyline compared to how much like the world has changed for like Leo DiCaprio's character playing an, an actor named Rick Dalton, who's watching society change. And the kind of character that he was, the character actor, like is no longer needed in Hollywood and he's sort of being aged out of the process and you're kind of going through this breakdown with him uh, and it's based on seven or eight actors that Tarantino grew up watching and studying so I mean it is basically I viewed it as a pretty deep dive into more than Pulp Fiction or anything else like the psychology and obsessions that Tarantino has um, that made him a filmmaker so I, I, I know that also puts for my liking it for those reasons, it's not necessarily a film that like you'd tell anyone to go see, but it's also extremely well-written, um, has some amazing, I think it's an amazing look at friendship. Um, and specifically, like if you've ever had like that group of guy friends or a guy friend that like was your best friend, like it kind of shows what that means and what that is. And so there's all those things mixed together. And I went in with big expectations and he did not disappoint. 
Um, I've watched it a bunch and it has not lost any steam for me. I think the most impressive thing is that you went in with big expectations and that it lived up. That's that's a hard thing to yeah, do. Yeah, that um, doesn't work out too often these days. Right. Um, when you were describing the theater, I in my mind, I pictured the theater from Inglorious Bastards. I, I just that that was the way they're just nice and quaint like that. I don't know if that's exactly what it looks like, but um, that's how it looks in my mind. And so the wife and I, we're going to watch that this weekend, Mark. Um, so well done. Well, oh, so let me know what you think. I will. Um, the last thing to kind of, I guess, bring this all full circle. Uh, you mentioned that Brad Pitt and Leo should have worked together before. Is um, is Tom Brady joining the NFC South and now us getting Drew Brees and he twice a year? Is that kind of... You know, I feel like we didn't, we haven't really gotten that. I know we had Brady and, and Peyton for a long time, uh, once a year, but I feel like we're not going to get that treat. You know what I mean? I love it. I, I also think it's, you know, I realize it's not the kickoff game, but it's the most attractive, intriguing week one matchup there is. And there have been a few amazing Brady breeze clashes over the years. Um, and in some ways, like they're just both. So I, I love the fact that I feel like breeze in this conversation of great quarterbacks, Breeze gets left out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. His Iron Man status and his age itself is not talked about 120th as much as Tom Brady. And it's the last year of Breeze. I would say, you know, barring something shocking, he's, he is, this is it. And to, to think that we're going to get two um, clashes, but you never know. There could be a third in the playoffs. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if that happened too, I, I love it because it, it could be the end for Tom Brady too. But I think he, with the money attached to him, you know, if he's able to do it, he'd probably play two seasons. It's, it's, it's fresh. I, I got a little tired of Manning versus Brady, to be sure. honest. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole new spin and um, like eyes will still be adjusting to seeing um, all these guys in these bucks uniforms. I, that is not my favorite uh, <laughs> uh, aesthetic and nor is their field or anything else, but you know what? it's going to be a fun season with them. And like, I, I like anything that's new at this point. I agree. I, um, I think that, uh, I, I feel like Drew, Drew doesn't get enough love for Monday night football specifically. I know that that has been a property that has not, you know, been too enjoyed lately, but I mean, they, you know, the saints had the the return on Monday night football. He's broken his records on Monday night football. He's in, in many ways, the most symbolic player on Monday night football you know, of this era, so to speak, because you're right, he does kind of get left out there. Okay, the absolute last one, Mark, because people will be mad if I don't ask. Dak okay. or Wentz? Wow. Um, I'd say if you want to go up to now, I would go Dak Prescott. Up to now. Now, I think that the best years of Carson Wentz are ahead of him. Not that that's not true of Dak, but I think that we're going to see stuff from Wentz that will silence some of the doubters around him. Um, pretty tough luck for that guy out of the gate. I mean, to basically be totally upstaged in the Super Bowl, to, uh, you know, miss the playoffs again two seasons ago and would have what happened last time. I mean, it's just like you've got to shake out of that sort of snake-bitten territory at some point. Um, but that's no knock on Dak because I, up till now, I think that Prescott um, – and I, I really can't believe that there's all this hemming and hawing about whether they should um, keep Dak Prescott or not. I think it's someone who, when he's gone – people would realize what they're missing. Uh, it's always a tough act to play Cowboys quarterback because you're following someone who obviously, you know, following Tony Romo, um, if you're anyone following Troy Aikman, I mean, all of it goes back days and days. And like, uh, I think that Dak Prescott could be around for a very long time and be a very special player. 
That was um, a bit of a rocky flight for a second, Mark, uh, for most of our Cowboys listeners, but <laughs> but you landed that plane uh, and did so okay. rather smoothly. Um, yeah. Do you have any Netflix recommendations for everyone? You know, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but, you know, they could pop on Netflix, uh, documentary, something uh, you've enjoyed over the last month and change. Um, you know, I've done a bad job. I, I feel like this is an era where um, there's a bit of a, I don't know if I want to call it a caste system to the Corona time, but uh, there are people that seem to have found a way to dig into 30 or 40 uh, series and films um, and, and read endless novels. And I, I, my kids are keeping me um, from being productive. Let's put it that way. But I would say um, what a show that if anyone's not seen this yet, and it's, you know, it's been around for a while, two seasons on HBO, I think Succession is one of the best shows around. Uh, and I know it's coming back for a third year. Um, so that would be HBO. And stuff is escaping me because I've seen a couple good documentaries too. Um, but I will stick with that one for now. Okay. Succession works. Um, I'll also, after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this is just, um, you know, it's, we got a weekend full of menu items, uh, courtesy sure. of Mark Sessler. Uh, Mark, uh, appreciate you taking the time on Twitter at Mark Sessler. Uh, the Instagram is the same thing, right? At Mark Sessler, where we can find um, f- some fantastic photography work. Yeah, I've synced those two up. Um, not, you know, not even intentionally. And, you know, Instagram, real hot or cold. I'll go, I'll put a bunch of stuff up one day and then I'll go dark for a month. So uh, don't expect too much. What do you check first on an average day? Well, I'll check, I'll, I'll check Instagram first because it's a uh, Twitter. The problem with Twitter, and, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time, is then it's more like if you put an article up and it gets um, sure. you know, tweeted by the company. And then I, I can't really the feed becomes other people arguing about the thing they didn't even read. They're arguing over the headline typically right. or the picture. And it's just like, well, I, I, you know, I don't need this right now. Um, Instagrams tends to be a little more personal. And so uh, I'll, I'll look at that first. Yeah. And you guys, um, you do a lot of, you know, top things. And, and so those are, those yes. are generally things that people <laughs> uh, have some thoughts and opinions on. Yeah. At this point it's like, it's lists and lists of lists. <laughs> so well, um, those are, are not at all subjective. So, uh, Mark, yeah. thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate the best of you and the family. Get a pizza and a nice six pack and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Thanks, man. It was fun. And I uh, hope to talk to you again. Want to give a big time thank you, big time shout out to Mark Sessler for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. I am absolutely going to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this weekend. The wife and I are going to sit back on the couch, maybe um, yeah, not make a bowl of popcorn. That's not my thing personally. That's her thing, definitely. Uh, but I might make like a, I'm feeling like a big bowl of cereal. You know, I want, I want like a big you know, like honey bunches of oats bowl of cereal with some sliced up bananas and strawberries. That's what I'm feeling. So uh, I'm pumped about that. But uh, no, awesome conversation with Mark. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything that Mark said. Mark is team Dak, seemingly. And, uh, you know, these days, those people are harder to find. You know, I saw a tweet somebody sent us on the Blog and the Boys account, which is at Blog and the Boys, um, saying that this so on Monday night, a uh, friend of the show, Dave Hellman, uh, was tweeting out some videos and some clips of um, Dak Prescott's performance against the Minnesota Vikings, the game the Cowboys lost last season. And uh, we were sharing them on our Twitter account. And somebody responded and said, man, people have just about had it with all of the Dak slander. And yeah, like, I don't know what it is, 
but this week the Dax slander there is just less room for it and so um I uh you know we've we've come prepared and we're ready to fight and uh by the way big time shout out to Dominic Foxworth on ESPN on Tuesday uh made the correct case that Dak Prescott is in fact the superior quarterback to Carson Wentz which is the part of Mark's answer that I heard, at least. Um, I didn't hear anything else, but, uh, um, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, there's so much going around right now. It's it's just a reminder that we have about 60 days between now and July 15th. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Uh, but yeah, so uh, look, again, we have just the greatest, you know, set of guests that you could possibly want. Guests from all over, from football and beyond uh, on the podcast feed, on all of our shows. Um, you know, look, I realize I'm biased, but the Block of the Voice podcast feed, you get two episodes every day, multiple voices, multiple analysts, tons of different guests, tons of different perspectives. Uh, I think it's well worth subscribing to. So if you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the Blog of the Voice podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can, give us a rating, write a review. Those things are very helpful. Uh, they help the show. They help us out. And so we are very thankful and very appreciative to those of you that have already done so. Mark Sessler, again, on Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Sessler. Make sure to read his work. A fantastic writer, a fantastic NFL and really just philosophical mind. I am on Twitter and Instagram at RGO Cho on both platforms as well. I like that synchronization uh, personally. You can also shoot me an email if that is more your speed, rj.ochoa at sbnation.com. Like I said, we're having some fun this week and we've got a lot more fun in store. Uh, so make sure you hang out with us. Uh, we appreciate you making us part of your Cowboys fan experience. So um, do me a favor. All right. Have the absolute best Wednesday of all time. You know why? Because you deserve it. We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.